Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Terry Lovelace with us. We're talking about his work, Incident at Devil's Den, an amazing story. So, Terry, you're in this craft, this praying mantis-looking creature's uh, not too friendly with you. Can you, like, remember pain when you were in there? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I remember pain. Uh, like I said, they were doing something. He was, it was doing something to my lower back. Uh, and, and the pain was incredible. I, I was screaming, uh, as I said, and, and fill my lungs with air, nothing would come out. And this thing looked me in the eye, and I heard inside my head, clear as any audible voice. I think I annoyed him. And he said, you know we don't hurt you and we take you back. Why do you scream? And he tapped me on the head, and then I was unconscious. Then it's, it's a blank from there. Wow. Now, you had experiences as a child as well, didn't you? You know, I had two. Um, but I think I had much more experiences than I, than I remember. When I was eight, I saw a UFO in my backyard um, just hovering over me. Uh, and then when I was 11, I woke up in the middle of the night to these crazy lights coming in my window. Uh, and I, a second-story window. I got up and I went to the uh, window to look out, and I pulled the drapes back, and I, there was the top of the – I could see the thing from the top side. Uh, it looked like the, the same, same thing I saw, you know, when I was 8. I was 11 at, the, at that time. Um, so yeah, I had I had I had those two experiences, but I, I think that you know memories are coming back that I, I actually had more experiences than that, than what I can recall. Terry, are you at a point now where you could say, without any doubts, why this happened to you and what they did with you? I don't have the slightest idea. I, I you know I've wondered that all my life. Why me? You know, why, why, why pick on me? Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly don't feel special. So, no, I, I don't have a clue. Do you remember if your parents ever talked about anything weird or unusual that might have happened to them, too? They avoided the topic. Uh, but I had a, uh, a grandfather who told me that he was in the field one day working. He was a farmer. And he saw, quote, a big ball thing. And uh, that's the only story I've heard in the family. And that's about all I can remember. I was pretty young when he told the story. Um, but that's it. I understand these things are, are familial, that they, they follow bloodlines. Uh, you know, and I, I worry for my grand my grandson, who's sure. fascinated with owls all of a sudden. So that's a worry. When you were released from the craft, how did they get you down? Did they float you down? Did you teleport? How did they do that? Must have teleported us, but when when they I say dropped us, I recall feeling like I was dropped. 
but we were we were next to my car. We weren't in the tent where they took us from, and the car was you know, fifty feet away from the tent. Um, and I was just barely conscious, but I, I recall these the four little guys came, and two of them took me, and two of them took Tobias, and they just kind of manhandled us back into the tent uh, and, and dropped us. Do you recollect, Terry, the craft taking off, leaving? Oh, yes. That, that's, that's one very clear memory I have, because we were both awake and conscious. I, I, when I came to, I, was, I was, didn't have my wits about me. I was, you know, groggy, and I could see these lights uh, shining through the canvas of the tent. I mean, lit the thing up like a ballpark at night. And my buddy Tobias still left of me. In these flashes of light, I can see he's crying. He's got tears running down his face. And I'm thinking, park rangers, where am I? What's going on? And he's captivated by something outside the tent. And I pull the flap back. And that's, that's when I saw that this thing that was 2,500, 3,000 feet in the air the night before that we were so apathetic about had descended to this field that was in front of us, open, I call it a meadow. And this thing was about 30 feet over the over the uh, over the floor of the metal, and it was absolutely enormous, absolutely incredibly large. How how and, how close is the craft from the picture on the cover of Incident at Devil's Den? You know, it's the the round the round little dots on each uh, apex, each point of the triangle, really are kind of incorrect because what it was was it wasn't a round circular light. Uh, it was a triangular shape. It was a little bit sharper than the image on the uh, on the cover of the book. And like I say, these were light bars uh, that were the whole length of the thing. They ran from the top to the very bottom, from the bottom to the very top. And the lights would run up and down this, uh, this mm-hmm. light bar. And it, when it lifted off, it, it hit me. That's They switched the lights from different colors, yellow and greens, to pure white. And when these lights run up and down that bar, up in the sky, it makes it twinkle. It makes it look like a star. I think that's intentional. And we watched this thing lift off. Um, There was a hum. There was a noise. uh, And that stopped. There was also some some little guys, but that's a longer story to get into. Uh, the thing lifted off like a hot air balloon, just slowly. Uh, it turned a little bit and then just ascended straight up. Uh, and uh, the higher it got, the faster it moved. And we watched it uh, until it was gone. It, it went up till it was out of sight. Uh, and it, it was it, gone it, from... It, it just kept going farther and farther? Yes. And then disappeared. So it, it didn't, like, blink off. No, not at all. It went straight up. And never again have you seen this again or anything like it? Never seen anything like that again. No. How long do you think the episode lasted? From the moment you and Toby first saw it. I'm guessing three hours. And I say that because... We both wore, in 1977, I wore a mechanical watch, watch you wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of our watches were stopped 
I wish I'd saved mine. Mine stopped at 240. Toby's was stopped at like 235 or something. Uh, but both our watches had stopped and never worked again. Wow. And I wish you would have kept that. I do, I do, too. For a year after that, I had this odd allergy to gold, believe it or not. Uh, my doctor swore it was impossible. But and my, my wedding band and my uh, chain around my neck would uh, cause redness, cause a, uh, he called it dermatitis. Uh, but I had an allergy to gold. That lasted for a year. Uh, and then that was gone. At this point, what have you concluded about what you think happened to you? Alien abduction? Experiment? What do you think? Alien abduction. These were not human beings. Uh, And this wasn't sleep paralysis. This wasn't... uh, uh, It was the two of us seeing this. We both saw the same thing. Uh, Curiously, when we got back to the base... They separated us immediately. Uh, we were to have no contact with one another. And I had the most peculiar emotion. On the, on the drive back, I could sense there was something. I didn't want anything to do with Toby. As crazy as that sounds. Really? I, I, didn't, I did not want anything to do with him. Did you ever hook up with him again afterwards and talk about this? Tried. I, I tried. He went to Japan, and uh, I found out later that his... Um, Toby started drinking. Toby was not a drinker. Um, this pushed him like to a, drink. He literally drank himself to death. Uh, yeah. And we're, he, 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 you're saying he died? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It would have been great for you and he to converse on this situation again. What an opportunity lost. Oh, my gosh. Let's Tell me a little bit more about these OSI agents from the Air Force. Um, sure. You know, the first one was harassing you about thinking that you took pictures, but wasn't there more interrogation from others? There was. There was a second interrogation. There was an interrogation when I was in the hospital room. About six weeks later, uh, I got a call from my commanding officer. He said, the OSI is sending a car over for you. They want to talk to you. Now, let me ask you this first. Had you gone public within the base or the Air Force, oh about what had happened? Oh, God, no. Okay, so so really nobody knew what was going on, yet they still singled you out to interrogate you. They, they did. And, and the reason for that was, I'm sure, like when that OSI agent said, I know and you know, that I think they really believed that I had taken pictures of this thing, and, and I did not. I wish God, I wish I had. How close was Devil's Den from the Air Force Base? About six hours. Six hours out there. Okay, so it's not as if it was near the base and they were tracking it and they saw you as a witness or anything like that. How do you think they realized or knew that you saw something? How did that happen? The only thing I can think of is radar or maybe my injuries. Um. Because nobody from the base, other than you and Toby, were there, right? Not a soul. We were we were in the wilderness. The other thing that I thought of is that you know we left all our stuff there. You know, I, I think these park rangers, you know, had to have seen this thing. This thing was too big not to be seen. Right. There must have been other witnesses. Had to have been. 
had to have been. So and you weren't the only that, you weren't the only two people in the park, were you? Well, we were the only two people out in the wilderness. We didn't stay at the campground. We drove, you know, God, almost an hour into the park uh, until we found this high spot. Well, that's a big park, isn't it? It is a big park with a with a long history of people disappearing. And, uh, well, one of the places identified by David Politis as a, uh, as a yep, cluster area. Exactly. It was a man in uh, August 2017, 33-year-old guy from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, disappeared. Uh, he found his cell phone. His, his buddy said, I'm going to go back to the truck and get something for you, and I'll be right back. Well, had, had you not been returned, you could have been one of those statistics. You know... It troubles me to this day, and that's one of the nightmares I have, is those people that we saw inside this thing. What happened to those people? Where did they go? Yeah, did they let them go? Where, and where did they come from? Where did they pick them up? I have no idea, but I know they didn't go with us. And I know I'm wherever they went, I'm just glad I wasn't part of the, of the crowd. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.